championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Let's go. NBA preseason, it is here. Lakers versus Nets coming up on Sunday. Can't wait. Finally, get this season started. We're going to see, well, some of the Lakers out on the floor. Some of them will not be out there on Sunday, but we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk a little bit about this matchup against the Nets, things that we're going to be looking for. Of course, I'm going to be taking your questions and comments. In case you didn't notice, it is a solo show, but again, it's never just me, it's me and all of you joining from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Welcome in, appreciate you guys joining me on a Friday night, talk a little Lakers basketball, and just a reminder, after this show, we convert back from going twice a week to just going after every single game. So from here on out, preseason game, regular season game, playoffs, whatever, doesn't matter, as soon as the game ends, you come right here. And we're going to talk Lakers basketball with you. We'll break down everything that happened in each game. So let's get into this. I'm already seeing people coming into our our questions and our comments, throwing out all kinds of stuff. All right, let's do it. So, um, oh, people are talking about the Dodgers game too. Yeah, we're going to try to keep a little bit of an eye on that as well. Go Dodgers. Hopefully they're able to get the job done. And big shout out to our sister site over there, DodgerBlue.com, providing some great Dodgers coverage for you guys. All right, so the Lakers take on the Nets on Sunday. We get an afternoon game, and a few of the Lakers aren't going to play, namely LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Trevor Ariza. Now, only one of those players is actually dealing with an injury. Trevor Ariza had a sore ankle. Doesn't sound like it's anything to be worried about at all. It's just, you know, it's preseason. There's no reason to risk anything, so he's not going to play. Anthony Davis... Yeah, he's going to play, but it sounds like he's only going to play for about a quarter, according to Frank Vogel. He talked about that a little bit after practice today. So AD will be out there for just a bit, but for the most part, these first few preseason games, they're going to be a chance to see everybody else. Yes, we'll get to see what kind of shape Anthony Davis is in, but other than that, this is going to be an opportunity to see all of the other guys, Russ, LeBron, these veterans, Carmelo Anthony, Preseason doesn't really matter that much to them. For for most of them, it's just about getting through it, staying healthy, that sort of thing in preseason. Whereas for some other guys, preseason really does matter. Preseason is where you're going to fight out some of these battles. Like, we don't know who the other two starters are, right? We know right now that the Lakers, they're starting LeBron, they're starting Russell Westbrook, they're starting Anthony Davis. That's obvious. However, what we don't know is who the other two players are going to be. Now, we've heard some very strong rumors that it's going to be Wayne Ellington and Trevor Ariza, which may still be the case, but that was heading into training camp. Things can change in camp and in preseason. If somebody really plays well, they might change that up. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. The two-guard battle, Wayne Ellington, he's the favorite right now going in, but you've got Taylor Horton Tucker, you've got Malik Monk, Kent Bazemore, these other guys who could potentially man the position. And as Frank Vogel said, it's not just about who's the best player. It's about who fits in best alongside the big three. So it's not just this player is better than this player, so he gets to start. No, it's about fit. Fit matters when we're talking role players. So it's going to be about who can do two things. Frank Vogel said this. Two things are the most important by far above anything else. Hit threes, play defense. If you can do those two things, that's what the Lakers are looking for. Um, 
<laughs> Random Brothers from YouTube said, who do you think will the Super Chat, well, thank you for the Super Chat, said, who do you think will be the most disappointing player? I'm pretty optimistic right now. I'm not even thinking about who's going to be the most disappointing for the Lakers. Um, if I were to pick the player that maybe I think is a little bit overhyped, and I think this might be a more of a name than game situation, the guy I'm looking at is DeAndre Jordan. You know, he looked like he had... Uh, he he just he looked like he lost a few steps last season with the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't quite have that same burst. They were actually better defensively with him off the floor than on. Those are all not great signs. But how much are the Lakers really going to rely on DeAndre Jordan? It could very well be that Jordan is the third center on the Lakers roster and that it's Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard playing most of the minutes. So that that's me just grabbing at something there. But I, I don't know that DeAndre Jordan is the guy. They, he... If you're thinking he's the guy that he was back when he was with the Clippers, that's where people are going to be disappointed. I think if your expectations are lowered and you realize kind of what he is now, and he's somebody that can maybe come in and give you 10 to 15 minutes a night, just do some general big man things. If you're not expecting the moon from him, then you're going to be okay. But I have a feeling that name, people remember the name, and they're going to be expecting more than what he is right now. So that's why I'm going going with him. Uh, River of Custard from YouTube said, Trevor, what do you think about Dennis Schroeder's comments about never having the contract in front of him? Um, So here's the thing. With Schroeder, it's hard to tell exactly what he was saying there. Like, as he said, the contract was never in front of him, but he also, the way he worded it was kind of weird. And I don't have the exact phrasing in front of me, but it was the type of thing that made me think, is that really what he was trying to say like is that what he really meant did he just mean the contract was not physically in front of them but the lakers had maybe offered it there was just a little bit of weirdness there so i i need to go back and look at the exact quote but i remember when i read it thinking okay what exactly is he saying there is he saying the lakers didn't offer that it was a little bit confusing to me anyway so again i can't really say too much about 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 schroeder saying that but no longer a Laker. I'm not going to worry too much about it. All right. Let's talk a little bit about... All right. Let's go into this. From YouTube. AD, DeAndre Jordan, THT, Ellington, and Nunn starting this Sunday. Yeah, and then look, and I just said that DeAndre Jordan is probably not going to be the guy that's going to wow people, right? That's just not really what he is at this point. But he could still get some minutes. I mean, look, he was in there in practice two days ago. The Lakers ran a lineup that was the big three, Kendrick Dunn and DeAndre Jordan. Frank Vogel's going to play around with a lot of lineups. And he even said that. He said, look, don't read too much into preseason because we're going to be playing around with things. We're going to shift things all the time because why not? Why wouldn't you? These games don't count on the record, but they're important for the coaching staff to get a look at guys and get a feel for what's really going to work. So that's what they're doing right now. So that lineup that you mentioned, sure, we might see that out there on the floor, but I think we're going to see a lot of different looks out there. And in fact, on Sunday, I'm actually expecting to see a lot. Chondi Brown, Cam Oliver, Austin Reeves, all these guys coming in, Joel Ayayi, Trevlin Queen, Mac McClung. I think we're going to see a decent amount of those guys out there on the floor because this is an opportunity for them to try to win that now open two-way spot because Austin Reeves got that 14th and final roster spot. And Austin Reeves, again, I think he's going to get some minutes too because it's hard to imagine some scenarios, especially early in the season, where he's going to get 
minutes over a lot of the veterans that are out there. So I think that Frank Vogel will use preseason as an opportunity to let those guys battle it out as well. Plus, he's going to let his other guys try to develop a rhythm. We're going to be looking for two main things, and that's Obviously, defense, getting that on the same page. That's going to be really important. Frank Vogel's a defense-first coach. That's going to be his main priority. Are things clicking on the defensive end of the floor? And you can expect there to be mistakes, both ends of the floor. I'm expecting a lot of turnovers. There's going to be a lot of mistakes because they're just getting used to this, right? It's even a new offense. Vogel talked about that a little bit today, that the offense is very different than what they had in seasons past. Look, you've got Coach Vizdale in now. So... When you've got that changing too, it's going to create mistakes. But for Frank Vogel, it's going to be defensively. Can we get the job done there? Can we get guys clicking? Can we move as a unit? Remember, defenses in the NBA, if you are, if you have one guy who's off just a little bit, the best offenses in the league will find that. They will find that one weakness and they will exploit it. That's what NBA offenses do. So defensively, can they get everybody on the same page? And then if they can, when they get stops, can they run? A lot of guys have been talking about that. Coach Vogel's been talking about that. LeBron's been talking about that, about getting out and running, being a running team. Frank Vogel said, we want to be the best fast break team in the NBA. So can they pull that off? That's another thing that I'm going to be looking for. What is the mentality on offense? And I know there's no Russell Westbrook, and no LeBron for this first game. So that's going to change the offensive mentality a little bit, right? You don't have the two main engines for the fast break because they're on the sidelines. But still, what does this team look like when they're able to get out and run? That's another thing that I'm going to be looking for. Uh, Pumpkin Seeds from YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, said, is AD and Ariza are best defenders. Are they the two best defenders? Yeah, they, they could be. I think we have to wait and see. I think Anthony Davis naturally just is the best defender, like in terms of his skill set, in terms of what he can do on the defensive end of the floor, I think he is definitely on a different tier. Because, look, Anthony Davis, if he's at his very, very best, he could be the defensive player of the year. Like, he could be the best defender in the NBA when he's at his best. I don't think anybody else on the team can say that. Not at their current state, anyway, right? We've got Dwight was three-time defensive player of the year. But nobody else on the team can say that right now. So Anthony Davis certainly is one of the best defenders. Is it Ariza? I don't know. I worry about the lateral quickness a little bit now that he's gotten older. But if it's not him that's the second best defender, then who is it? Maybe it's Kent Bazemore. Maybe it's somebody else. I think that's going to be really the big test for Frank Vogel this season. It's going to be how good of a defensive coach are you? Like Rob Palenka talked about it. Talked about how they are relying on the Frank Vogel effect to fix the defense, because if you look at the individual pieces, the Lakers don't have that many good individual defenders. So they made a conscious decision that, look, we've got a great defensive coach. We're going to rely on him to figure it out and raise the level of all of these guys who are mediocre defensive players individually. So we're going to find out. It's going to be a big test here. As much as we say, look, this is a chance for these stars to win a championship. This is a test for Taylor Horton Tucker to step up and Malik Monk has some chances and right. All these things. It's all true. Frank Vogel is also being challenged here. This is a big challenge of just how good of a defensive coach he is. And so I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. 
Uh, somebody asking me from YouTube, are you going to be at the game on Sunday? No, I won't be at the game on Sunday. I will be doing the post-game show with all of you. So that means I won't be physically at the game because it's really hard to run a post-game show from the arena. I have done it before, but in terms of having enough bandwidth to send out a signal, it can be kind of hit and miss. So no, I'm no, I won't be at the game on Sunday. Instead, I'll be doing the post-game show with you guys. Uh, Leroy Long from Facebook with a great point here. Trevor, I'm looking for THT to play in control and shoot consistently. Absolutely. Absolutely. For Taylor Horton Tucker, and I've been telling you guys for weeks now, out of everybody, look, I'm so fired up. I can't wait to see Malik Monk. What does he look like out there on the floor for the Lakers? Kendrick Nunn, right? All these additions, the growth from some of the players from last year as well in terms of Anthony Davis. Can he become the old AD again? Can he look like he did in the 2019-2020 season? I'm most excited to see Taylor Horton Tucker because I think his ceiling in terms of just development is higher than anybody else, right? Well, we know what Anthony Davis's best basketball looks like. We know what Carmelo looks like at his best. Dwight, LeBron, these are known commodities. Malik Monk has this mystery element to him to a degree. But Taylor Horton Tucker is the one guy where we really don't know what his best basketball is going to look like. The ceiling is so high for him. If that shot comes around, and it's a big challenge, but if he can live up to the challenge that the Lakers have presented with him, for him, to become the guy to defend the other team's best player, I mean, if he can do that, he's got the physical profile. Can he get the mental side of it down? It's asking a lot of a 20-year-old. But if he can do that, wow, he could be really, really, really good. So, yes, I am more than anybody else excited to watch Taylor Horton Tucker on Sunday and see where has his game grown. What's changed about his game? Does his demeanor change now that he's the guy, right? He's no longer making second-round pick money. Now he's the fourth-highest-paid player on the team. It's the three stars, and then him, and then another gap, and you get to Kendrick Nunn, and then everybody else is a veteran minimum. He's being paid now to produce. What does that look like? I can't wait to see, because again, his trajectory is going straight up. And don't forget, man, did he look good in preseason last year. Obviously cooled off when some of the regular guys started playing again and things like that. But he really showed that when the ball is in his hands, when he's in control of the game, he could be something special. So I am really excited to see Taylor Horton Tucker on Sunday. Let's see what else we've got here. Spencer Bailey said from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Uh, If roles were reversed with state guidelines... We're the same with COVID, and LeBron took the stance that Kyrie is what would happen. Fan reaction, everything. So just, if I'm understanding you correctly, just flip the script and say that LeBron is the one refusing to get vaccinated and Kyrie was was vaccinated. If we were to put, put LeBron into that spot, what would be the reaction? Um, I mean, I think that it would be fairly similar. I think it would be louder because LeBron draws more of a spotlight than Kyrie does nationally, internationally. So I think it would be a bigger story. Um, But I think Kyrie has a lot of detractors just like LeBron does. If you look around the NBA, a lot of non-Lakers fans are anti-LeBron James because 
Well, it's what happens when you lose to a guy for a while. Uh, Kyrie's had some controversial statements in the past, and there's some fans, particularly non-Nets fans, right, because fandom can kind of blur these things, uh, who have, well, kind of jumped on Kyrie Irving and and said some uh, not-so-kind things about him and had some criticism. Some of it justified, maybe. I mean, it depends on your point of view. But, um, yeah, I think if you were to flip it and you were to have LeBron be the guy that was taking that stance, it would just make the story louder, but I think the criticism would be largely the same or, or similar. Just you'd be tur- turning up the volume. All right. So, Jason from YouTube said, Hey, Trevor, are you ever going to go to a Lakers game this season? At some point, probably. But again, keep in mind, if I go... And I've gone to games, I've covered games, I've gone into the locker rooms, done all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. But if I do that, that means I'm not here for the post-game show. That means I've got to find somebody to fill in for me, or I've got to try to do a show from the arena, which is not easy. Uh, there's a reason why you don't see like like Chris McGee's not at the games, because he's doing the show from the studio. It's really hard to do a show from especially when we're broadcasting over the internet to have the bandwidth that we need to do a show from a stadium. I pulled it off successfully in Golden State. At a Warriors game, we took a trip up there before COVID hit and everything. We did a big fan trip and we all went up there, brought a bunch of Lakers fans up there uh to the arena and did it and it was a blast and did a post game show from there because as soon as the building started to empty out Oh my, the, the internet speeds there were ridiculous. There was, a, I mean, better than anything I've ever seen, but most arenas are not like that. Most arenas, I, I wouldn't have the bandwidth to send out a video signal. I would have, have all of you complaining about lag. That's what would happen if I was trying to run this show from an arena in most arenas. So, but at some point, yes, I would like to get to some games in person and, and do all that kind of stuff, but it means I have to find somebody else to cover the show for me. So... Pros and cons. Uh, Somebody said, Monk has big upside. Agreed. Agreed. I think he does. I think the big question mark for him, and this is what I'm going to be watching for him, it's not even just his defense. It's, in particular, his off-ball awareness. He can be caught sleeping on the defensive end of the floor, and I know that's something that will drive Frank Vogel crazy. So, I know he's talented offensively. He can get to the basket. He's got burst. He can shoot. I'm not worried. Like, I'm excited to see it, but I'm not worried about that end of the floor. What I'm really going to be focused on with Malik Monk is the defense because I think that's going to be key for him to play, right? For him to get minutes, for him to be out there, he has to defend at a competent level. And that means not falling asleep defensively. That means not losing your man when he doesn't have the ball. Off-ball defense, what does that look like? And that's something that, most of us will miss. That's why a lot of people missed the brilliance of Alex Caruso, because just naturally, our eyes, our attention, we focus on the ball, because that's where the action is, right? But a lot of defense takes place off the ball, takes place with positioning, takes place with awareness, with anticipation. These are all things that matter in the overall success of a defensive player. So during the game, I would recommend you guys do this. Take some time and consciously think, I'm going to watch this player in particular and see what he does off the ball. How does he read screens? How does he navigate those? Is he going under? Is he going over? Is he calling things out? Is he reacting when his teammates are telling him things? 
These are all important things, and it's going to be very important for Malik Monk. So that's what I am going to make the conscious effort to try to do is watch Malik Monk off-ball specifically because I think that, more than anything else, is going to help determine his playing time. Uh, Katie Forever from uh, YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said, I'm really worried about the DeAndre Jordan pickup. He's not JaVale McGee. JaVale could still jump and defend the rim. Jordan is, well, a fossil. I feel you. I feel you. You know what? Heading into the season, heading into like when DeAndre Jordan was first picked up, I was saying he's not the guy he used to be. A couple of days ago, I went back and I was watching, if you guys remember the game last season, when Colin Sexton for the Cavs went berserk and beat the Brooklyn Nets in overtime. If you guys remember that game, um, I went back and I rewatched that. And I really focused in on DeAndre Jordan. And I have to say, if I'm being honest, it looked worse than I thought, worse than I remembered in terms of the lift. Uh, he did He did a nice job setting screens. I'll say that. He set good, hard screens. He didn't slip them. He didn't try to avoid contact. He set good, hard, physical screens. And I think that's something that can certainly help the Lakers. But his lobs, his rim protection. In fact, I saw a lot of Marc Gasol-esque rim protection. Okay, not saying they're exactly the same. I think Mark, I think DeAndre Jordan's a better rim protector, but I saw a lot of the, I'm going to stay down on my feet and I'm just going to raise the one hand up to contest. That's what I saw a lot of from DeAndre Jordan because he wasn't quite quick enough, didn't have the springs to get up and really block the shot. Instead, it was more of like a token defense. So there's some concerns there. But again, so far, we've heard good things out of him, about him out of camp. So far, LeBron credited him for being one of the new guys that's really stood out. So sometimes it takes getting to a new team and being in a new system to revitalize a player. All right? I'm just saying what we saw last season, there's cause for concern. But again, how much are the Lakers really going to use him? When push comes to shove and the regular season is here and you need to win games... Is it going to be AD and Dwight manning the center position and DeAndre Jordan is kind of the break glass in case of emergency guy? Is he starting? We don't know. So again, don't write off DeAndre Jordan. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying he's not the guy that he used to be. And there is reason, if you're concerned about him, there's reason to be concerned. And I hope those turn out to be unfounded. I hope he has a great season. I hope he has a bounce back season. Uh, may, you know, maybe there was something that just physically wasn't right with him last season or something, and that's cleared up now and he's good and his legs are feeling good and he's got a little bit more spring in his step. That can happen, all right? So I'm not saying I'm totally out on DeAndre Jordan. It's a terrible pickup. I don't know what the Lakers are doing. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying temper expectations with DeAndre Jordan. Somebody, yeah, somebody said maybe he wasn't happy in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, that's always possible. Maybe he didn't like his role in Brooklyn. That can impact a player. Look, I mean, the classic example, right? Blake Griffin from the Nets, right? When he was with Detroit, he looked he looked done. He looked done, done. He wasn't even dunking. And then he goes to the Nets, and suddenly he's dunking again, and he looks a lot better. Again, don't write off DeAndre Jordan. That's not what I'm saying. Logan Lingles from Facebook said they should have signed Damian Jones. They wanted to. They wanted to. They wanted to sign Damian Jones. That was one of their targets early in the offseason, but they were, but uh, actually before the offseason really got going. 
but they were surprised that the Sacramento Kings actually picked up his option. The assumption was, since the Kings had so many centers, that they probably weren't going to pick up his option. The Kings kind of surprised everybody and picked it up anyway. The Kings have like six centers right now on their on their roster, especially if you're counting Marvin Bagley. So a little bit crazy. Most people were not expecting the Kings to do that, and the Lakers, I think, had intended to re-sign Damian Jones. But the Kings picked up his option, and so they were not able to. Uh, Andrew Escamilla, Escamilla, sorry, from YouTube said with a super chat said, what's your guess on three point attempts this year? Top five in the league. So I went over this uh, the other day. I was playing around with some stats and looking at some things and looking at the starters, the starting lineup for the Lakers and putting in Ellington and putting in Ariza. I was trying to figure out what the difference in three point percentage was. And it's actually pretty similar to last season's three point percentage. Uh, as a unit, because Mark Gasol, who I put in as a starter for last season's Lakers, actually shot really well from three. It was like 41% from three. Even with volume adjusted in there, even though he didn't shoot that many, his quality three-point percentage combined with KCP was enough to actually pull up the average of the starters. But what I thought was interesting is just out of the starting lineup, if you were to replicate last season how many three-point attempts they had, you would it would have gone up just the starting lineups threes for the Lakers compared to last season would have gone up by like six attempts per game. That's off the top of my head, so don't quote me, but it was about that. It was like five or six attempts per game. I think we're going to see more threes this season. And it's not just a pace thing, right? Like last season, the Lakers were 21st in pace. I don't expect that to happen again. I think they're going to be a much more fast-paced team, faster pace, more possessions, means more shot attempts. Okay, so... Based on that, you're going to see three-point attempts go up. But even if we were to take this to per 100 possession stats in order to compare apples to apples and remove pace from the discussion, I still think we're going to see a higher volume of three-point attempts. The Lakers made a conscious effort this offseason to go find three-point shooters. Russell Westbrook, what is he great at? It is collapsing defenses into the paint, kicking out to shooters. We're going to see more threes this season. We're going to see three more three-point attempts. If we're not... If we don't see more three-point attempts, you're wasting some of these talents. You're wasting Carmelo Anthony shooting over 40% from three. You're wasting Wayne Ellington shooting that well from three, over 40%. Malik Monk, same thing with him. These guys that they've brought in, you are wasting some of their skill set if you don't incorporate more threes. It would make no sense to build this roster and not see a big uptick in three-point attempts. So that's what I am expecting coming in. We're going to see more threes. However, it's still a Frank Vogel team. And if you know anything about Frank Vogel, his saying, it's not exclusively his, but his saying is paint to great. What that means is he wants the ball to touch the paint on offense first. That's the priority. Get the ball into the paint. From there, you kick out. Why? Why does he want that? Well, because you're going to collapse that defense. You're going to put pressure on the rim. There's going to be times where you're going to get easy looks right at the basket. Guys like Russell Westbrook are going to generate that. But... When you do kick out to shooters, after you've sucked the defense into the paint by getting the ball there, then you're going to be giving them open looks. So you're not only going to be putting pressure on the defense to constantly be hustling back defensively and trying to get back into the paint, you're going to create more opportunities for your shooters and you're going to create higher value opportunities because they're going to be shooting uncontested shots rather than shots that are contested, which you'd probably be doing if you weren't sucking the defense into the paint first. So paint to great, that is still going to be the mantra of the coaching staff, but I think it is going to create 
a lot more three-point attempts than what we saw last season. And don't forget, they've brought in guys who not only can shoot well from three, but aren't afraid to shoot from three. And I'm not saying last season's team was afraid to shoot them, but you've got guys that have a little bit less of a conscience in terms of pulling the trigger. Carmelo Anthony, right? Certainly, these guys will shoot the ball. So I'm expecting more three-point attempts. I've got... Oh, Marcel uh, Tucker with a super chat with no question or comment. Thank you. Appreciate that. Pumpkin Seeds with a super chat uh, said, will Melo's defense limit his playing time? I think it's going to limit the situations that you use him in. For example, late in a game, let's say you're up three late in a game. Are you putting in Carmelo Anthony? No, probably not because you need to stop. I think it's going to limit when you see him. The Lakers are going to use him. Frank Vogel's talked about that. He's raved about him, said he's going to be a major factor for this team, and he will. But you just have to be a little bit selective in terms of when you put him on the floor. He's an all-time great. But defensively, he was never a great defender, and even that has slipped. You can't rely on him defensively. What you can rely on him to do is get buckets. He can still do that. So... I expect the Lakers to use him, but use him selectively. Use him at key moments. Use him against the other team's bench where their scores aren't quite as high of a quality as the starters. I expect a lot out of Carmelo Anthony this season, but I also expect the coaching staff to be very selective in terms of when they put him into the game. Uh, Andrew Escamilla from YouTube, again with the Super Chat. Thank you. Said, would love to see you and the team, maybe with the front office, do a weekly bet, the plus, minus, or spread, or top games, or by division, or something like that. Oh, so do some sort of a uh, betting show responding to the plus, minus, and things of that nature. Maybe that's something that we can add in. We've got our different segments that we do for our post-game shows. Master Lock of the Night, of course. We've got that one. We've got our Next Man Up Award. All those sorts of things that we do. Uh, but maybe that's something that we can uh, incorporate in. David Tran from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, Is there a reason for the lack of David Fisdale news? Haven't heard anything since we signed him. No, it's just it's just him. Right. I mean, not every coach is out there talking like we didn't hear a lot from Jason Kidd the past few seasons. You just you didn't. A lot of times assistant coaches, you just don't hear that much from. I think where we're going to see Fisdale's fingerprints the most is on the offensive end. So that's what I'm going to be watching to see what David Fisdale really brings. Dustin Rigsby from Facebook said, do you see Malik Monk as a rotation piece? Yeah. Yeah, I think he absolutely can be. I think he's got the talent to do it. Again, the question is the defense, but I think he certainly can. Now, here's the thing, though, with this team, right? If I say, hey, Malik Monk is part of the rotation, and we're assuming Wayne Ellington is starting, okay, so whose minutes are we cutting out? Does that mean Kent Bazemore isn't getting minutes? Does that mean THT's minutes are being cut? Who's going at the three? Frank Vogel, he talked about this. He's got a problem. It's a good problem, but he's got a problem. The problem is you've got too many guys on this team that deserve minutes. You have one. Count them. You have one player in Austin Reeves who you can say, go sit over there. <laughs> You're not playing, right? And nothing against Austin Reeves. I'm just saying that's where he's at in his career right now, right? A couple of years from now, Austin Reeves might be getting consistent minutes. He's the rookie. It's going to take time for him to really get a consistent role. Everybody else, to varying degrees, based on merit, should be on the floor, right? 
that's a problem. You can't have, that's 13 players. You can't have a 13-man rotation. It doesn't work that way. But what that does mean, and what a lot of players have talked about, Wayne Ellington specifically said, we know not everybody's playing every night. We know that going in. And a lot of guys have talked about sacrifice too. That's what they're going to have to do in order to get through this season. They know they've got an older team. They hear all the things that people are saying. They hear people saying the LAARP team, things like that. They know that they're going to need to use some load management to get through. And there is a lot of prove them wrong in this locker room. There's a lot of guys that are coming out here ready to show everybody that their age doesn't mean they can't get this done. Okay, so... I don't think the age is as big of a deal as we're making out to be, but it also is a factor to some degree. It's not something that you can just write off. They're going to need rest days, and that's where the depth is really going to help. So if we say Malik Monk, is he a rotation piece? Yes, but I don't. the rotation is probably going to change throughout the season. On talent, he deserves minutes, but a lot of guys deserve minutes. So just keep that in mind, that... The rotation we see opening night is probably not the rotation we're going to see a few months into the season. There's going to be changes. And night in and night out, there might be a shift in terms of who plays and who doesn't. And it could be based on nothing more than rest and not player A being better than player B. That's what the Lakers have built. And that's a great thing. Rob Plink has done a tremendous job. By the way, I was on a show earlier today and was asked by the host, about the job Rob Plink has done. And I said, look at what what we've got. He's created a problem for Frank Vogel that he's got too much talent. And this is on a team where as soon as they got Russell Westbrook, in fact, we went into this offseason saying, I don't know if they've got a big move in them because of the salary cap and because of the limited resources they would have to fill out a roster. Well, the Lakers said, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. Because we believe that players will take less to play for us. So they got Westbrook, and what did they have left to spend? You had bird rights on THT, so you could give him a bit more. Everybody else on the roster is a veteran minimum except for Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn got that mini mid-level. So even and even he took less, right? We thought going into the offseason he was going to get at least 10 million per year. He took a little over five to be a Laker. Now I'm not saying the offer was out there for him to get 10, but he took a deal with the Lakers. Every other player is a veteran minimum. And he's got, and Frank Vogel has a roster with so much talent that he's going to be have to he's going to have to sit players who deserve to play. You know how many teams in the NBA would kill to have that problem right now? To have too much talent to be able to get them all in on the floor? Yeah, Rob Blink has done a good job. Okay, you can criticize this team for being old. You can say there's some concerns there and there and there might be some legitimate ones. But when you look at it through that lens, in terms of roster building, the Lakers have done an amazing job this offseason. <clears throat> uh, Marcel Tucker with a super chat. Says, no one said anything about age when it came to those Spurs teams. All this talk because they've threatened they're threatened by the thought of LeBron winning. I don't think it's necessarily they're threatened by the thought of, of LeBron winning. I think there is that. I think that's there, right? I mean, that's an element of it. I don't think that's why you didn't hear that with the Spurs and you do hear it. It's not that the Spurs weren't a threat. The Spurs were a threat. I think what it is is the Spurs 
we saw them year in and year out. People saying, well, maybe they're old this year. And then they just continue to roll, right? And so they proved over and over again that the age didn't really matter that much. And so that narrative started to go away. The Lakers haven't proved that yet. They haven't. This is a brand new team, tons of new faces. So until they prove that the age doesn't matter, people are going to say that age will matter. And that's where I think you are right. I think there's a little bit of wishful thinking there. I think the people that have been saying, oh, LeBron, you saw him in the playoffs last year. He doesn't have it anymore. He didn't have the same lift, the same burst, ignoring the fact that he was coming off a high ankle sprain, which what does that injury do specifically? It robs you of your lift and of your burst. So I'm expecting to see a more athletic version of LeBron James than what we most recently saw. Um, And so I think that you're going to see a Lakers team that a lot of people are counting out or looking for reasons to count them out because they don't want the Lakers to win again, right? If you're a fan of all these other teams, you're sick of the Lakers winning. And so you're grabbing onto all of these things. You're saying, oh, you know, they're old. They're not going to win. LeBron doesn't have it anymore. Russell Westbrook, he can't shoot threes. This is never going to work. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. I'll tell you what. I put out there earlier today. I said, uh, or no, it was uh, yesterday. I put it out there on Twitter. I I said that Kendrick Nunn was going to surprise a lot of people and that he was remarkably consistent as a Miami Heat player. Now, Twitter, your characters are limited. And so I didn't get to go into detail to explain that. What I meant was consistent season to season. I know he can be a bit of a roller coaster. There's an up and down effect where he'll have good games. He'll have bad games, good shooting games, bad shooting games. But if you look season by season, his two seasons with the Miami Heat, he put up almost identical stats. Same minutes, same points, similar percentages. Like that, It was very consistent. And I had a lot of Miami Heat fans chiming in basically tearing down Kendrick Nunn, making it sound like Lakers fans are stupid to be excited about him. Oh, he's a terrible defender. This is not going to work. Oh, wait, just wait. You think he's consistent. He's not consistent at all. Wait until he has an 0 for 9 shooting night or things like that. Again, it's wishful thinking. Why? Because as fans, we want to think, oh, this player's not with my team anymore. Well, I bet it's not going to work. I bet it's not. We didn't really lose anything because you want to feel better about your own team. You see that in sports. You see narratives take hold because of wishful thinking, because you're hoping that that's going to be the case. And I'm not saying the Lakers fans are uh, are not guilty of that sometimes, too. I can't tell you how many Lakers fans I've said I've seen say, oh, right off the Brooklyn Nets, they can't play defense. They're never going to win because they can't play defense. Again, it's wishful thinking, right? The Nets are a very good team. Or I've seen teams say, people say, Giannis, right? He doesn't doesn't take the ball down the stretch. He isn't that kind of a star. He's simply not that guy. So he's just not going to win. We grab on to whatever the bad thing is about a, a certain team that we don't want to see win. And we grab onto the good things about the teams that we want to see win. That's sports. That's fandom. But it's something that it's important to recognize. And I think the people that are saying the Lakers are too old, people saying LeBron doesn't have it anymore. It's fans of other teams kind of hoping that that's the case rather than believing truly that that's what's going to happen. Sam Aiken from YouTube, the super chat said, Frank said THT will be guarding the other team's best players. Wouldn't that mean he would start? That's what I thought too. That's what I thought too. And if you go back to the bill Orm report uh, from less than a week ago, 
it was the Lakers starting five would include the big three. The big 360, I guess they're calling them now because their jersey numbers are three, six, and zero. LeBron and six will take a little bit of getting used to, by the way. But uh, they're calling them the big 360. And the two joining them would be Trevor Reza and Wayne Ellington. That was according to Bill Orham. But he threw in that Taylor Horton Tucker is the guy that could change that. Taylor Horton Tucker is the guy who could get into the starting lineup. And so defensively, if Frank Vogel is asking him to guard the other team's best player, yeah, that does kind of suggest that he would start. But I think the Lakers have to be careful with him. And that's why you don't see him as the guy right now. Right now, it's, oh, it's going to be Wayne Ellington. It's going to be Trevor Ariza. We don't know for sure that Taylor Horton Tucker, number one, can do that defensively. Haven't seen him do it. We think he's got the potential to do it, but we haven't seen him do it. And we don't know what his shot looks like just yet. If his shot hasn't come around, he's a poor fit offensively next to Russell Westbrook. And so there's some challenges there. So I think the Lakers are kind of hoping that, one, Taylor Horton Tucker defensively can be that guy. And number two, his shot has come around. And then you can put him in the starting lineup. But until you see those things... He can't be the favorite to do that, even if you're saying, hey, we're going to ask him to guard the other team's best players quite a bit. Um, Again, though, we could also be looking at an Alex Caruso role, where Alex Caruso frequently guarded the other team's best players but didn't start. Could be that type of a role as well. But I do think THT is going to have the opportunity to get the starting job if he can do those two things, shoot the ball well and defend very, very well. Somebody said not time yet for not yet for THT. Look, if it's if it's not, right? If THT does not start, if THT does not set the world on fire, remember how young he is. He's got plenty of time. Plenty of time to grow. The Lakers believe in him. I stress patience with him. I'm expecting big things from him, right? This may not be the season that he gets there. If it does, great but I think he's got a tremendously high ceiling and I'm excited to see what he's got. Somebody be asking me, hey, Trevor, why didn't the Lakers sign Ennis? So the James Ennis thing, it seemed like a no-brainer that the Lakers would sign James Ennis. and was a fit a fit a need for the Lakers in terms of their roster as, as far as being another wing. He can shoot the ball. Made a lot of sense. Came in and worked out for them. But instead, they gave money to Austin Reeves. Um, On one hand, they do save a little bit of money because Austin Reeves got a veteran minimum and his veteran minimum as a rookie, or not a veteran minimum, it's be a minimum, uh, as a rookie is less than what the veteran minimum that James Ennis would have gotten would be. And when you add in luxury tax penalties, there's actually a little bit of, of difference there. It's also possible that the Lakers believed, you know what, the 14th guy, we already have 13 that we're going to struggle to get minutes to. There probably wouldn't be a lot of minutes there. Who is more likely to be okay with that, with not playing? Is it Austin Reeves? Is it James Ennis? And if this player is not going to play much anyway, who is it that's going to benefit the most from being in practice with us? Somebody that maybe we can develop for the future all those things start to lean towards Austin Reeves. And again, I don't want to paint the Lakers as a penny-pinching franchise or anything. I think the dollars do matter to them. We saw that with the Alex Caruso situation. Uh, But there is a financial incentive to go with Austin Reeves. There's also more flexibility. And I think this may be the ultimate answer. 
there's more flexibility in the contract that Austin Reeves took. Austin Reeves' deal is only guaranteed to pay him $100,000. It's a non-guaranteed deal, and the Lakers have all the way until January 10th to cut him if they want. Um, So if something happens midway through the season, somebody surprisingly pops free on the buyout market, and maybe a couple of players pop free, the Lakers could, in theory, cut Austin Reeves and bring in two players. Remember, they've got that 15th spot open as well. So if they decided they needed flexibility, somebody surprisingly popped open and they still wanted to save a spot for the buyout market, you could cut Austin Reeves, move on, and you're only out $100,000 or whatever you've paid him up till that point. So I think that kind of flexibility is important. Now, again, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to cut Austin Reeves. I'm not saying that's the goal. I'm not saying that's the plan. I think they like Austin Reeves a lot. I think they like him a lot. I think they want to develop him. I think they liked what we saw in Summer League. We've heard great things out of what he did at LeBron's uh, minicamp in Las Vegas. They like him. Okay. I'm not saying that they don't. But flexibility matters for this franchise. And Austin Reeves' contract offers more flexibility than what the one going to James Ennis would have. Now, again, I was on board with signing James Ennis. I'm just making the case for why the reasons why the benefits of going with Austin Reeves instead. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, Jaden Mendoza said, Trevor, do you think the Lakers might struggle with their three-point shooting? Well, I hope not because they spent the offseason landing so many shooters, but there is this weird thing. I hope it's not a thing anymore. Uh, where shooters come into the Lakers and their three-point percentage drops by like five-ish percent. And that's a big deal when we're talking about three-point percentage. I hope that's not the case. If that is, then maybe they do struggle with three-point shooting. But based on the changes that they've made, I don't think three-point shooting is going to be a weakness of theirs. Again, if their guys can shoot the same percentage they did last season, and if we see a... A normal regression from Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis shot like 26% from three last season. That's not him. That's not who he is. If we see more of a normal Anthony Davis, you know, the 33 to 35% AD, I think we really are not going to have a problem in terms of the three-point shooting. So I'm not super worried about it. The only thing, maybe give me a little bit of reservation, is that Lakers history of having players shoot poorly from three, particularly once they become a Los Angeles Laker. That's the only thing holding me back. But otherwise, if you look at the moves the Lakers made, they addressed the three-point shooting issue. (laughs) Kay Jackson from YouTube said, Wes kind of broke the curse when he woke up late last season. I don't know about that. Look, Wes, yeah, Wes got a shot around. Marcus Gasol shot, well, Marcus Gasol shot 41% from three. But Kyle Kuzma shot 17% from three in the playoffs. KCP, the best three-point shooter on the team, shot like 22% from three in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not so sure that curse is broken just yet. But fingers crossed, let's hope that it is, and it's not a problem this year. Uh, Jeremy Jaswinski from YouTube said, what happened to the guy from the Rockets who came to the Lakers as a three-point shooter? Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore is now a Portland Trailblazer. He signed with them. The Lakers didn't bring him back. So Ben McLemore is a great example, and I'm glad that you brought him up. 
a great example of my concern with Malik Monk. You saw what happened, where Frank Vogel was hesitant to put McLemore out on the floor because his defense is not good, and in a similar way to Monk's. Now, they're not the same defender, but in terms of off-ball defense being a concern, Ben McLemore has some of those same issues. Now, McLemore can also get hot in an instant. He has that great quote where he said, what did he say? Uh, Something to the effect of, I just need to see one go in and it's a wrap. Like, he can catch fire so quickly and he can be a lot of fun in that way. But we saw the defensive concerns with him. I'm not surprised the Lakers didn't bring him back when you look at the pieces they added. Like, if you ask me, I like Ben McLemore, but would you rather have Malik Monk or Ben McLemore? Malik Monk, by a lot, right? He's much more dynamic in terms of attacking the basket, can handle the ball a little bit. It's a different tier of player. Wayne Ellington or Ben McLemore? Wayne Ellington, over a long career, has been a more efficient three-point shooter than Ben McLemore. I also think that Wayne Ellington's ability to catch and shoot off of the move, to run him off of screens and have him come up shooting, that's going to be an asset. I would lean Ellington. When you look at all the different players the Lakers have brought in, I struggle to find somebody that I would bring in Ben McLemore over. And so that's why I that's why I think the Lakers ultimately moved on from him. It's not that you don't like him, but the oper- the guys that they had out there, the options that they had at the at their disposal were simply better. They're just better. And I think that's what it came down to. Somebody said Monk is is way more talented than McLemore. Yeah, absolutely. I no arguments here. Monk is on a is in a different tier completely than Ben McLemore. Sam Aiken uh, from YouTube said, "Love your channel, bro. Keep grinding, my man. Listen daily. Hey, I appreciate that. Did you see Rondo say Melo hasn't missed yet in training camp and is AD playing on Sunday? Yeah, I saw that. I'm sure Melo has actually missed at some point, but it sounds like Melo is shooting the ball very very well. That's a great sign moving forward. We will not see him on Sunday." No surprise, though. Rest the veterans. Um, if you watch the Baltimore Ravens at all, you know, and I'm not a Ravens fan or anything, but you know what can happen playing your guys in preseason. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Well, Gus Edwards was practiced, but still, they lost multiple players. They lost a guy on the defensive end. I'm trying to remember the name of their of their defensive guy um, that they lost to. Micah Peters, was it? Anyway, they lost a lot of guys in preseason key players in preseason and people were left saying, why were they even playing these guys? Why were they out on, out on the field? Football is different than basketball, but still Carmelo Anthony, you won't see on Sunday, LeBron, you won't see Westbrook. You won't see again, no reason, no reason to risk it. Uh, Anthony Davis, you will Anthony Davis, you will. And I would imagine that's probably just to get him into a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, from what we've heard, it's going to be at one quarter. You'll see him play one quarter of basketball and that's it. And that's great. That's great. Look, let him get out there. Let him get a little bit of a sweat going, a little bit of a rhythm, get used to the field being back in a game, and then shut it down. No reason for those guys to spend too much time out there. Let the young guys play. Ah, Marcus Peters. I was right there. Uh, Let the young guys play. Let your two-way guys compete for those spots. Your Exhibit 10 guys compete for spots, especially in this first game. Give those guys some opportunities. Let's see Malik Monk. Let's see Taylor Horton Tucker. Let's see what those guys can do out there on the floor. Don't worry about that. That's the other thing. Preseason, don't worry about the score. It's about the process. It's not about, it's not even so much about did the shot go in or not, right? It's about how did you get to that shot? That's what's going to matter here in preseason. It's not about winning or losing the game. 
All right. Oh, yeah. Somebody mentioned Ayayi. Yes, Joel, Joel Ayayi, Trevlin Queen, right? Cam Oliver, Johnny Brown, Mac McClung, all these guys. They're probably going to get some opportunities. All right, guys. We're going to do one more. We'll do one more, and then we'll head off to the weekend. A weekend that includes Lakers basketball. Gotta love that. We're here. The Lakers are back and they're going to be out on the court on uh, Monday. Oh, man. Somebody asked. This isn't going to be the last question. Somebody asked, Hillbilly Kobe versus Trev and Sliwa. Who wins? So me and Alan Sliwa against Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves would, would destroy us. I think there's a... I think there's a lack of understanding sometimes in just how good these guys are, right? Just the difference between an NBA caliber player, forget athlete, just an NBA caliber player skill-wise versus the guys you'd normally see like in a pickup game, right? NBA players are on, I mean, 10-tier difference, right? I mean, just not even the same, playing the same sport in most cases. And then you add in the athleticism. Yeah, it wouldn't be close. Austin Reeves would destroy you. It would be two-on-one and it wouldn't matter, Right? That's because that's the difference in the caliber of athlete that a guy like Austin Reeves is, and he plays at the the NBA level. Yeah, that wouldn't be close. (laughs) Somebody said, Trevor, you were known as a shooter back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. I'm nowhere near my athletic prime right now, though. I can tell you that. All right, let's finish with this. Trevor, your prediction for this Sunday's game. All right. So for this Sunday's game, I don't care about the outcome. I don't care about the final score. It doesn't matter. It's preseason, but I I predicted predicted this earlier today. Um, I said the Lakers are going to win 105 to 102 as the final score because I would like to kick preseason off with a Lakers win, even though it doesn't mean anything. It still feels kind of good when they when they win. So that's my prediction for it. My prediction in terms of who we're going to see a lot of, I think we're going to see a big game out of THT. I want to see Malik Monk do some things. Those are the things that I'm going to be looking for. Those two guys in particular, I'm going to see what they can do. And then uh, some of the young guys, the young uh, Exhibit 10 guys, I'm curious to see what they do when they get opportunities out there on the floor. And aside from that, I want to start to get a feel about what the offense looks like. Oh, and Kendrick Nunn. I'd really like to see Kendrick Nunn and what he can do out there. Particularly, I want to see what his mid-range game looks like with this Lakers team. He's pretty crafty. He's got a decent floater, can throw the lob. I want to see what that looks like in purple and gold. All right. Appreciate it. Got a comment here. So go Lakers, go Rams, go Dodgers. Love it. I'm with you. Let's get it done. Big weekend. Lakers basketball is back on Sunday. Let's go. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And really important, turn on notifications. That way you get notified as soon as we go live after Sunday's game. And you can come in and talk with us about the whole game. We're going to break down everything, all the stuff that went on. It's going to be a lot of fun. So again, make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. That way, as soon as we go live, you get that little message telling you to jump in and we can talk more Lakers basketball. Thanks again for joining me, everybody. Until next time, see ya and stay safe.